Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. The Ford government's use of the notwithstanding clause continues to get panned. A troubling surge of patients at Mac Kids Hospital. Employers could have a tough time filling seasonal roles. How much money do you plan to spend this holiday season? The streaking Ticats charge into Montreal. And is everything okay now in Leafland? The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Yesterday at Queen's Park, my oh my, the fireworks, 16 NDP MPPs, including interim leader Peter Tabbins, ejected from the Ontario legislature yesterday for using unparliamentary comments as they scolded, as they roasted the Ford government for using the notwithstanding clause to impose a contract on these education workers in the, in the union that... Uh, is in charge of bargaining their contract. This is what the chaos sounded like. Speaker, when will the Premier and his ministers stop lying about the damage they're doing to the education system? Order. Order. The member will withdraw his unparliamentary comment. I will not withdraw. I'm telling the truth. They're lying. Take a seat. Member will take his seat. Speaker. Speaker. Order. I will ask the member once again to withdraw his unparliamentary comment. My remarks were accurate and true. Ministers are lying. You will be named. Mr. Tabbins, you are named. You must leave the chamber for the day. Peter Tabbins, in from NDP leader, uh, giving the old heave-ho from Queen's Park, as were 15 other NDP MPPs, including our next guest. He is the New Democrat MPP for Niagara Falls. Wayne Gates joins us here on Good Morning Hamilton. Wayne, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Very good. Uh, How many times have you been ejected from the Ontario legislature? Myself? How many times? I think uh, I've been ejected in my nine years of uh, MPP for Niagara three times. Uh, yesterday, bring us into the provincial legislature and the fireworks that were on display. It sounded like, and it looked like, it was getting really heated. Yeah, it was very heated. Listen, uh, there's a lot of people, including myself, who uh, I'm, a, I'm a worker. I've worked my entire life in the labor movement. I come out of the auto sector. And I, we're very passionate about the fact that uh, education workers who are really the backbone of our of our health, of our education system, particular secretaries, our educational system, uh, custodians, and they're some of the lowest paid workers in the education system. They're trying to survive in less than $39,000 a year. Uh, we're very passionate about it, and I don't believe that anybody in the province of Ontario, which is, by the way, is one of the richest provinces in Canada, should be living in poverty, and when they get paid on a Friday, uh, some of the first places they have to go is either to a food bank or they got to work two or three jobs. And all we're saying to this government, I think it's fair and it's reasonable to get back to the bargaining table. And what people have said to me, well, you know, all the strike, strike, strike. People have to realize that at the bargaining table, 98% of all collective agreements in the province of Ontario are settled without a strike. But you can't settle a strike unless you're at the table. And what we're saying to this government, they hold all the cards. They have majority government get back to the bargaining table and negotiate a fair and reasonable 
contractor, all the workers, educational workers in the province of Ontario. Global News, uh, Queen's Park Bureau Chief Colin DeMello reporting this morning that the Prime Minister spoke with the Premier last night about using the notwithstanding clause, and Mr. Trudeau said using the clause in this instance is wrong and inappropriate. Ford said closing schools is unacceptable, but he's determined, if necessary, to pass this legislation to, in his words, keep classrooms open. I mean, this is a mess, and it didn't have to be this way. It absolutely didn't have to be this way. Like I said, they, the Ford government holds all the cards. They have majority government. All they have to do is get back to the bargaining table, negotiate with QP, who has been very clear that they're willing to negotiate. They're at the Sheraton as we speak today. Uh, go to the Sheraton, sit down and bargain a collective agreement and treat workers fairly. And that's what it's about. It's about treating workers with respect. And I'll repeat again, I'll ask even yourself, Nobody in the province of Ontario should have to, at the end of the day, either work two or three jobs to make ends meet or to end up having to use food banks after they've worked all, all week. It's wrong in the province of Ontario, and that's why our 16 colleagues, including our, our leader, P- Peter Tappens, uh, was passionate about what we were talking about yesterday. You've got to stop bullying education workers. We've seen this with Bill 124, with our, with our health care workers, the same thing, going after workers. And in this case... Seventy percent of those workers are women. Seventy percent of the women, uh, the people that work in our healthcare sector, are women. Why are they attacking women in the province of Ontario? Uh, I want to compliment the QP leadership and all their members who are saying enough is enough. Get to the bargaining table and negotiate a fair and reasonable collective agreement, which is good for the workers, it's good for our communities, it's good for the parents, and most importantly, it's good for our kids. Got about another minute with Wayne Gates, NDP okay. MPP for Niagara Falls, uh, who was ejected from the provincial legislature yesterday. We got, uh, as I mentioned, 60 seconds, Wayne. Mm-hmm. Bo- both sides have dug in their heels. We know that labor rights clearly are being trampled here. The, maybe the worst part in all this is that students, again, are caught in the middle. Is there a compromise that both sides can make here? I believe there's always a compromise. I've, uh, I've had the privilege of uh, bargaining 150 collective agreements. I've had one day, one day strike with working with all the bargaining clients, with working companies from all over the province, including some of the biggest ones, General Motors. I believe that when you're at the bargaining table, when you get close to the deadline, everybody knows the last 24 hours, 48 hours is where the real bargaining gets done. But you've got to have a partner at the bargaining table. And I'm encouraging this Ford government, instead of using the notwithstanding clause, which has never been used uh, uh, in a bargaining situation in, the, in, in Canadian history, get back to the bargaining table, uh, sit across from the QP bargaining team, and negotiate a fair and reasonable collective agreement that we're not having workers, some of the most important workers in the education system, uh, lowest paid education workers in the system and negotiate a fair and just collective agreement so they don't have to live in poverty. And that's the big issue here. Wayne, it's I thank wrong. you. It's wrong in Ontario. Thank you. I thank I you for you your time, go. Wayne. Have a good one. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. McMaster Children's Hospital, it is a, it is a tough go at the hospital these days because, well, COVID's still a thing. Um, physician burnout is a thing. And now we have a, a, a triple threat. We have COVID. Flu season is just getting underway. You've heard RSV is an issue with many children in our community and you know across this country. So how is Mac Kids Hospital coping? Well, it has been a struggle, that is for sure. Bruce Squires is the president of McMaster Children's Hospital and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Bruce, good morning. How are you? 
Uh, good morning, Rick. I'm well, thanks. I hope you're well as well. I'm good. Let's open up the front doors of Mac Kids Hospital. Give us a glimpse of what is happening inside. Well, thanks. Thanks very much for chatting about this, Rick. Uh, as you said, it it, uh, it it really is a uh, a challenging time for uh, for our teams at uh, McMaster Children's, and and honestly, for for all pediatric um, and acute hospitals across Ontario and really around the country. And it's um, it's it's a product of a a number of things coming together, as you've identified, uh, really the impact of the pandemic, um, including on um, on our supply of, of our, our frontline workers and, of course, on their on their energy, on their uh, on their resilience. And then now we are experiencing really an unprecedented uh, surge in uh, demand for our services, driven a little bit probably by uh, the uh, the delays in care and the backlogs created during the pandemic, and then also by this uh, this convergence of a number of of uh, a different uh, seasonal viruses that this year uh, seem to be uh, to be significant um, in both their kind of the number of of uh, children and youth they're affecting and in the number that they're affecting relatively se- severely such that they require an emergency department visit or in some cases a hospitalization or even a stay in our ICU. So all that's come together and uh, we've experienced uh, really the highest uh, demand that we've ever seen, um, as I say, in our EDs, uh, the results of that for, uh, for, for, for children and, and families who come here is that unfortunately um, they may have to wait longer. Uh, they'll be triaged and certainly the, the sick kids will be seen, um, seen most quickly, but uh, for others it may mean uh, a much longer wait than, uh, than we ever like to, uh, to have and, and then they're used to as well. Well, um, as I said, a number of, uh, of children may require a hospitalization or even a, a critical care stay because of the nature of, of their illness. And, and again, a big portion of this is uh, related to the viruses. And uh, so many right now that uh, our hospital, our pediatric capacity is, is, uh, is significantly exceeded. Most days we're uh, running more than 130% of our capacity and our critical care units are full. Uh, so in the face of all that, um, I'm, uh, I'm so, so grateful and pleased with, uh, with the, uh, the, the level of care that our teams are continuing to provide and, the, and uh, you know, the support they're providing for patients and uh, families. But we know that uh, they're, uh, um, they're, they're having to take longer uh, it's um, it's not at all the experience that we any of us would want for for our, our children and youth when they're sick. The capacity level you mentioned, one hundred thirty five percent, is that the highest it's ever been? And does that set off alarm bells? It is the highest that it's been for this sustained period of time, particularly at this time of year. We we are sometimes stretched in really what's normally the heart of the winter uh, viral season, but uh, it's earlier and more significant. Uh, this year, and uh, yeah, I think all of us are um, are, are quite concerned um, about uh, about our capacity, our ability to continue to uh, support this, and and so we're taking a number of uh, of, of different actions. Um, 
within the hospital and with our partners um, across other hospitals uh, and in the regional and uh, provincial leadership of the of the Ministry of Health to try and uh, to try and uh, address that and to uh, to to protect us as best as possible. Uh, but certainly, some of those uh, things, such as having to uh, reduce our uh, our scheduled uh, surgical activity for those those uh, circumstances where the the surgery would require an admission, um, you know, that's a very difficult. Uh, decision to take, and we're all concerned about the uh, the ongoing impact. And so I uh, I know that uh, um, we're, uh, we're we're doing the best we can that we can to uh, pre- prepare and to uh, to manage right now. And we're 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 uh, we're hopeful that uh, this won't uh, go on too too long. But uh, but right now is a difficult time. I can understand. And with flu, COVID and uh, RSV all, uh, you know, uh, being a big factor, this is going to be a difficult uh, winter, but hopefully we can get ahead of this. Bruce, we're out of time. I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for joining us and we'll chat with you uh, down the road. Thank you very much, Rick. Bruce Squires is the president of McMaster Children's Hospital. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Talking about the upcoming Holiday, not shopping season, but hiring season. To that end, there's a new report out from Indeed. It's the Holiday Hiring Trends Report, and it shows that employers may have a tougher time hiring temporary workers this upcoming holiday season. The seasonal worker category... Uh, well, it's uh, some choppy waters ahead. Brendan Bernard is a senior economist at Indeed and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Brendan, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. What did your report find? Well, we find that after two years of relatively subdued holiday hiring appetite, employers this year are really ramping up. Now, uh, no surprise that 2020 holiday hiring was depressed. Daily life was totally uh, still completely impacted by the pandemic. Last year, though, things also weren't quite back to normal. Now, there was a bounce back in uh, seasonal demand in 2021. But uh, throughout the second half of last year, Canadian job postings overall were actually through the roof. So so in sort of relative terms, the the rebound in seasonal ha- retail appet- uh, hiring appetite in 2021 was a bit tepid. This year, though, we're seeing a, a, a noticeable leap ahead. So as of late October, compared to this point last year, Canadian holiday job postings are up 28% from where they were in 2021, and they're up 40% from where they were in 2019. So a lot of employer uh, demand out there, similar to the rest of the economy. Are we seeing many more job seekers filling these roles? Well, we can't we're, we can't track who's filling these roles just yet because the hiring process is really just getting going right now. What we do see actually is that job seeker interest is returning to normal. Uh, so over the past two years, there's been actually little enthusiasm in seasonal work, uh, and and that's starting to bounce back now. We're seeing searches for holiday uh, related. Um, job openings from job seekers coming to Indeed uh, bounce back to rates that uh, were prevailing pre-pandemic. But when we think about the balance between employer demand and job seeker supply, it, the demand seems to be outweighing the supply, um, just with with job postings way above uh, what they were last year in pre-pandemic. Um, j- job seeker interest is just going to have a hard time keeping up. And so what that suggests is that for individual employers, filling these roles is often 
going to be a challenge, and they're going to have to find ways of making their positions stand out to attract candidates. And does that also mean that maybe they have to hike their wages to attract those candidates? Well, that's one of the key ways of, of, of making your position stand out. And we see this throughout the Canadian labor market right now. The past few months, Canadian wage growth has been running a bit north of 5% year over year, which is, is on the elevated side, not quite matching the pace of inflation, but definitely is suggesting that the tighter labor market is showing up in Canadian paychecks. And then when we think about seasonal hiring, it, it, seasonal hiring doesn't just have to deal with the fact that we're in a tight labor market with fewer unemployed workers per job opening, but there's a, just a time crunch on right now. Um, the, the, when it comes to seasonal retail, that's pretty much over by January. And so you need to fill roles right now for the next two months for Black Friday. Friday for the uh, Christmas and holiday shopping season. And if those roles don't get filled immediately, then uh, the, the, the role is gone by, by January. And so there's a tight, the, the time crunch in there kind of uh, raises the stakes on making that, uh, um, that, that their position attractive for candidates right in the near term. We have another minute with Brendan Bernard, senior economist at Indeed, as we talk about their latest holiday hiring trends report that shows that uh, some employers can have a tough time bringing in those temporary workers this holiday season. We focused primarily on retail, and that that is the big focus of seasonal workers. But it's beyond that, too. Other other sectors of their businesses are going through this as well. That's right. So uh, some other areas of the uh, uh, seasonal world in uh, that, that pick up hiring in November and December, we've got some areas of tourism. Uh, ski resorts are, uh, are are a popular area for uh, seasonal hiring. But the quintessential holiday job, of course, is the Santa. And uh, and, and that always uh, shows, shows uh, picking up uh, this time of year. And with uh, foot traffic and malls and retail stores uh, back uh, back home, hopefully uh, approaching more normal levels. Hopefully there's uh, uh, lots more hiring in that area this year uh, than last. We could have some breaking news. Uh, Is there going to be a shortage of Santa Clauses in malls across the country? Well, you know, the entire labor market is always connected. And so when more people are working in some areas than others, that could mean that someone who might have taken a a job like a Santa job in uh, in a mall might be working somewhere else. And so so th- there's there's always interconnected links uh, th- throughout the economy and, and labor market where disparate sort of uh, developments, whether it's what's going on in one sector, actually can kind of uh, feed into another sector, even though they might seem totally unrelated at first glance. Well, kids will be happy to know that uh, Santa himself is still employed at the North Pole and things will be okay uh, coming this December. Brandon, thanks for the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's Brendan Bernard, Senior Economist at Indeed. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Why are we playing Christmas music? Well, because we're talking about the holiday shopping season. It is here. You've been to stores. You've been to, it's in the grocery stores. It's in the retail outlets that are trying to sell you some Christmas gifts. And uh, we've seen it earlier than ever before. And retailers are saying, well, with inflation where it is, Let's help out the consumers by stretching their shopping season a little bit so they can, you know, pick and choose when they want to spend to kind of budget uh, accordingly. To that end, there's a new study out from NerdWallet Canada that suggests the Canadians plan to spend this holiday season despite those worries about inflation and food prices and the cost of living and gas prices and on and on and on. I know, I know. It's all getting to us. 
Uh, and this survey shows that more than 30 million Canadians, 82%, plan to spend about $20.5 billion. That's $675 per shopper. That's quite a bit of money. Uh, Shannon Terrell is a financial expert with Nerd Wallet Canada and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Shannon, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. Uh, $675 um, per shopper. Do we have a comparison from, from past years and where that stands? So this is the first study that we've actually run. So we did run this study online through the Harris Poll. And like you said, you know, despite inflation, lots of Canadians are looking to spend this holiday season, 82%. And yes, if we roll that out, that's 30 million Canadians who are buying gifts this season. And the study shows that most of them will be doing so using a credit card. Yes, absolutely. So credit cards remain a really popular choice. So nearly three in five 2022 holiday shoppers this year are planning to use a credit card to pay for those holiday gifts. So, you know, we're looking forward to racking up those points and spending those points. And yeah, we're going to keep spending with our credit cards this year. We're also going to be trying to pay off those credit cards, but easier said than done because you have some statistics on some shoppers who went out and used their credit card last year and they're still paying that card off. 100%. Yes. So we found that over half of Canadians did incur some credit card debt during the 2021 holiday season. Now, interestingly enough, among this group, 20%, so we're looking at about 4 million people, they're still working to pay that debt off and that lingering credit card debt. It can really, yeah, put a damper on the holiday spending. In you know, there, there is always a debate internally and with family members or friends about what to get each other. But there are also some other factors like inflation and, uh, you know, supply chains that get into this conversation now. Yes, absolutely. You know, people are quite concerned about inflation. They're worried about the economy, and it's a valid concern. We found that almost 74% of the holiday shoppers this year, they're saying that that economic uncertainty is making them super cautious of overspending. And like we said, valid inflation has been the highest it's been, you know, in almost 40 years this year for Canadians. We are starting to see it come down a little bit, which is great. But, you know, is it going to come down enough in time to really impact the holiday trend? You know, that will remain to be seen. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Shannon Terrell, financial expert, Nerd Wallet Canada. They've released a new study that shows that Canadians do plan to spend this holiday season, despite some worries about the cost of living, high inflation, and all the other things that we're paying more and more on. You also have some statistics on how Canadians are split on how much they are going to spend. Tell us about that. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we did find that people are sort of split around how much they are expecting to pay this year. So as we found, you know, that average spend is about $675. But, you know, it seems to be about $500 is where the the, the dividing line seems to be between people who are either going to go above 500 or they're going to be below. And again, like we said, inflation and, you know, even the supply chain disruptions, that could be sort of the deciding factor. When uh, we are looking for holiday gift-giving ideas, um, how has inflation kind of tweaked our view or impacted our choices on what to get? Yes, and, you know, we, we're looking to cut costs, and people are 
resorting to all sorts of interesting and creative ways to cut down on how much they're spending this year. So lots of people are looking to spend less. 36% said they're planning to spend less. And a lot of people are just looking to just choose different types of gifts this year, things that are more affordable, things that are on sale. And, you know, there's there's lots of ways to cut down on those costs. Yeah, and using those card points are going to help as well. Shannon, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us and good luck on the shopping season. Thank you so much for having me. Shannon Terrell, financial expert, Nerd Wallet Canada. You can check out their report, nerdwallet.com. And she kind of referenced on how holiday shoppers are coping with inflation this year. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to be spending a little bit less this year compared to last year, and that's not a surprise at all. Uh, we'll be giving different types of gifts. 32% say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to choose from something that's a little more affordable than in the past. 32% will only buy gifts on sale. I thought that was a little bit low. I thought that'd be a little bit higher than that. 27% say they will be giving gifts to fewer people than last year, and that will certainly help cut down on costs. 20% say they will be using credit card rewards to pay for gifts, and, and that's a good thing. If you're if you have a card, uh, you know you're making at least the monthly payment, which is important, if not a little bit more. But you're also, you know, realizing that you have points and you can spend those points on gifts at this time of the year. That's a that's a win win. Sixteen uh, percent say they will be picking up a side hustle to fund holiday shopping. Eight percent say uh, they will be using coupon, cashback sites, and apps. Uh, when making holiday gift purchases, there's a lot of tools out there for sure to uh, fill up the uh, the holiday bag, so to speak, and and give uh, to family and friends. On how holiday shoppers plan to pay for those gifts, 59% say credit card, 50% say cash or debit, 21% say they will be using some money from savings, and 7% say they're going to buy now but pay later with uh, certain apps and services. So there you go. Some information from Nerd Wallet Canada. More details online at nerdwallet.com. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Massive game this Sunday. It's the Tiger Cats. It's the Alouettes. It's live on CHML, beginning with the pregame show at noon. Kickoff from Percival Molson Stadium is at 1. Huge game between Hamilton and Montreal on Sunday. Joining us now is one of the guys, one of the uh, horses that are going to hopefully lead the Tiger Cats to victory in Montreal. It's left guard Brandon Revenberg. Rev, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Hey, first and foremost, congratulations on being nominated for a, a another CFL award for the second consecutive year. You are the East Division Most Outstanding Lineman. How does it feel? I mean, it's it's always such an honor to get an award like that and be nominated. Um, you know, definitely, definitely happy with that. But at the end of the day, we're not satisfied. We have a bigger goal in mind here. We're looking for that great cup. Is a nomination like that extra validation for the work that you put in? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, no doubt, right? It's it's always nice hearing your name called for things like that. But you know, we we definitely have a uh, a bigger picture that we're looking forward to, though. One of the pieces of the puzzle for this 2022 Ticats team is the offensive line. And I remember a, a man much smarter than me many years ago saying a team's offense is only as good as the O-line. There were some changes this year in the offseason, during the season. Have you found the right mix? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those positions where you, you always play better when you have that continuity. And that's something that we are kind of lacking earlier on the season. Um, and it's something that we've, we've definitely found towards about the last third of the season. I think that's really been reflective in our play. 
Absolutely. Our, our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Hamilton Tiger Cats left guard Brandon Revenberg. Tiger Cats Alouettes this Sunday on CHML. Huge playoff game as the East semifinal will play out at Percival Molson Stadium. The winner taking on the Argos at BMO Field one week later. At one point in this season, Hamilton, I couldn't believe I was saying it at the time, was 3-9. and nine. What was going on? Was there a frustration level? Was there a, hey, we're much better than this kind of commentary? Take us into the locker room and, and bring us a, a sense of how you guys were feeling at that point of the year. Yeah, I mean, every every year is maybe different. You know, there's different guys that are being plugged in. And uh, we obviously had the, the same mentality as last year where we, we had very high expectations for ourselves. So when you, you know, you go three and nine, there's definitely going to be frustration there. But I think one of the best things that we did was we all stuck together as a team. You know, it's one of those things where we knew we had to continue to brave the storm. And uh, as long as we did so, eventually, you know, smoother sailing would come. Well, and it came after the bye week after Labor Day. You uh, take care of business against Winnipeg, of all teams. And now you've rattled off four wins in a row, five out of the last six, uh, obviously in the groove. What's working now and what's different now than what was what was previously being done? Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things we, like I said, we just kind of continue to brave the storm, and then we, we understood that, you know, it's it's only going to get harder from here. I mean, we were put in a position where it was do or die, and we essentially were in playoffs early on, right? So we just kind of focused on that mentality, focused on that grinder um, kind of mentality, and kept pushing through. Hamilton Tiger Cats left guard Brandon Revenberg is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. We're all getting set for Tiger Cats Alouettes this Sunday at 1. The pregame show here on CHML begins at noon. And of course, 30 minutes after the final whistle, we will talk about it on the fifth quarter here on CHML. You guys are 1-2 and two versus Montreal this season. Just some thoughts on those three games against the Alouettes. Yeah, I mean, uh, the one win we had, fantastic. The two we lost, those are always tough ones. Um, we're just trying to look to continue to better self. Basically, it's just correct the ugly and the bad and just build on the good. There's two, three, four, maybe five plays in a game that will ultimately decide who wins and loses. What do you think are the determining factors this coming Sunday? Uh, protect the football, protect the quarterback, and get after it. Be, you know, play a physical game. <laughs> Pretty simple. Yeah, you protect the football and the quarterback, you're probably scoring some points, that's for sure. Yeah, that's it, that's it. You're two and seven on the road this year. Those two wins have been the last two road games you have played in Calgary, in Ottawa. The team has to win three more road games. One, obviously, is a neutral site, but still uh, away from home. What's the confidence level like? Yeah, I mean, it's just right now, I mean, like, like you mentioned previously, I mean, we were three and nine at one point. It was just our, our whole mentality shifting. I mean, we're all playing for each other. Uh, we have that kind of that warrior mentality right now, push through, grind through. And uh, we're, we're ready to be some road warriors, that's for sure. Last question for Hamilton Tigats left guard Brandon Revenberg. The Grey Cup is in sight. Obviously, it's a few weeks away. What is it going to take for this team to get to that summit? Uh, we just need to go out there and play our game. Uh, you know, just kind of keep doing what we've been doing. Uh, that's kind of always been the talk around here. Focus on us, and that's what we're going to do. Brandon, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Good luck on Sunday. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me. Brandon Revenberg, Hamilton Tiger Cats left guard, 2022 CFL East All-Star and the East Division's most outstanding offensive lineman for the second year in a row. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Matthews right on. Got his own rebound. Into the slot. Tavares! Patrick goal for the captain! And it's 5-2. 
that was the final score in Scotiabank Arena last night. Leafs 5, Flyers 2. Welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. The Maple Leafs have not started the NHL campaign as many had expected. And some hockey pundits believe because of that, change could be in the offing. Now, the good news is Toronto snapped their four-game losing streak. The bad news is... They're 5-4-2 and have not played particularly well in, uh, well, at least on their trip out to the West Coast. Let's break it all on down with our next guest. David Alter is a Maple Leaf reporter with SI.com and the host of the Rink-Wide Toronto podcast and joins us now on GMH. David, good morning. How are you? 5-2 win last night over the Flyers. Uh, Johnny Toronto with the hat-trick stealing the spotlight. What was your uh, takeaway from last night's game and how Toronto performed? Yeah, uh, definitely a much better effort, and not even just from a score standpoint, from but from the underlying analytics, having a possession, putting out a good effort. That was something that was kind of lacking on that road trip where they ended the last four games with losses. Showing better, I think, was really important for them. There were times when I was on the road and I saw the effort put forth in front of me that I thought, if this were at Scotiabank Arena, the crowd would probably have let them have it by now. So uh, as tense as it was there, there was that that sense of escape where they didn't really have to kind of face the music the same way as they would at home. Uh, so I expected a better effort, especially against a team like Philadelphia that's kind of in a rebuild phase. And so they did it, and now it's just a matter of if they can sustain that against some of the better teams like they have with Boston coming up on Saturday. I do want to talk about that Bruins matchup, but uh, before we get to that, um, you know, a, a win is always nice. Does it uh, cool off some of the hounds that are nipping at the Leafs' heels? Is this a case of all is now well in Leafland? I think temporarily it will. I mean, there isn't a game until that Saturday, is, as mentioned, but... Um, there, there's still a watchful eye as to what's happening. Uh, I, I didn't get a sense from a management standpoint that a shakeup was necessarily imminent, even though there was a lot of speculation and a lot of pressure. Kyle Dubas is very much a loyal person and someone who believes in the type of team that he has built. And uh, he's worked with Sheldon Keith everywhere he's gone. He's really the only coach he's known. So... I didn't really get a sense that that there was any sort of inkling to make a change in the interim, although if the, the losses continued and the crowd really started to get mean and ugly at home, then I thought, okay, it might, it might uh, force their hand. So I think it does temporarily uh, cool things down. They do have an, a points percentage above 500 right now. It's still tightly bunched in that division. And it is early. So as long as they continue to put out good efforts, I think they'll be fine in that way. But if they start to actually slip again, uh, then, of course, uh, it's going to be really hard to kind of keep the status quo. David Alter is our guest, Maple Leafs reporter with SI.com and host of the Rinkwide Toronto podcast. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. The, the four-game slide out west against teams that, you know, they probably should have beaten in Anaheim, uh, San Jose, you know, games against Vegas, and, and the Kings also ended up with um, a checkmark in the L column. The team just didn't look right on that trip. No, they didn't. I mean, the, the biggest issue was they couldn't really get that first pass. Like, the breakout is a huge part of their possession game, and that first pass was either just not hitting the tape 
or they were just turning it over and it was just it was disjointed it was really it was really bad it wasn't anything like you saw from this core group of players that in the six years that they've been together so uh that was cause for concern and not even just losses i think if they put out good efforts and they're coming up just short i think people would have been okay with it it was a little bit different than the slide that they had to begin last season so that part was was uh, a definite concern and then not being able to to overcome and beat some of the other teams that really struggled last season like anaheim and san jose as you mentioned and that that really made me think that something could happen but again coming home to philly i got the sense that there were going to be different things happening uh, when they actually got home and they had that first practice on tuesday they did have smiles on their faces and they seemed upbeat and that surprised me a little bit um but also I mean, I was on that road trip too, and I didn't play. And it was it was really challenging to go through Winnipeg, then to go to Vegas, and then to Northern California, to Southern California. Not an excuse. Every team does it around the league, but uh, it was quite the the grind over over a long period of time that they were away. It was five games, but it was also eleven days. So uh, it it did kind of take its toll a little bit in that regard, and so. Uh, they got that big one out of the way, but to come home and then they had the music blaring and they were they were just seemed to be in good spirits on that Tuesday, that first practice back. I thought, okay, this team does kind of seem like they're they're all right, so we'll see how that translates to Wednesday. And they picked up the win, and then now they have today off, and perhaps maybe the rest is just what they needed to kind of just get everything back on track. We'll see if that works. Leafs are at home Saturday against the Bruins. Boston, the top team in the league at 9-1. and one. That might be maybe too early for a measuring stick game, but certainly when you're taking on the top team in the land, that's always uh, the, the wording that we like to throw out there. David, appreciate your time today. Enjoy the uh, rest of the season. We'll talk to you down the road. You bet. Thanks, Rick. That is David Alter, Maple Leafs reporter with SI.com. He's also the host of Rinkwide Toronto podcast. There has been a lot of smoke and maybe a little bit of fire over the job security of head coach Sheldon Keefe. Uh, this is what expectations does to a hockey team. Now, this is a team that set records last year for most points and wins. He's like 121 and 54 in his career. Um, yeah, there's other guys out there. Certainly, I'm not sure I'd pull the trigger right now. Let's see how this season progresses. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.